Okay, twinkle star on go. Three, two, one, go. Twinkle, 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 twinkle little, little star. <laughs> you guys aren't even doing it. <laughs> What's up, Polo people? Welcome to the Northside Polo Podcast. I'm Gavin, here with my friends and teammates, Alex. Hello. And Liam. What's up? We got an episode for you guys today. We're going to be talking all about our dream pickup scenarios and how to introduce new people to the game. Anyone who's ever tried to do that and not been successful, I know I have. It's very frustrating. So we're going to discuss some different strategies that we use. But before we get to that, I got something else for you guys. This is Alex from the future. When we recorded this episode live, we forgot to do the news and there wasn't too much that we missed out on, but I did want to mention that Montreal Bike Polo are doing a group order for custom rotor guards. They look really cool. Uh, If you want to get in on that, I believe the best way is to check the thread in the Montreal Bike Polo Facebook group. If you're not on Facebook, I'm sure you could get in touch with anyone from that club and they'd be happy to put you in touch with the group order. Uh, I believe that was for ro- custom rotor guards that look really cool and custom chain rings. So let's get back to the episode. Uh, we're going to play a little game, Alex and Liam. We're going to play a little game called underrated, overrated. I'm and the ready. way this works is I'm going to say something bike polar related. And you two are going to tell me if that thing is underrated or overrated. Now it could be underrated in the polo community, the world at large. Whatever parameters you guys think is best, um, but we're gonna give it a shot, okay? So I got a few spicy little items for you. How do you feel? Ooh, I'm ready. What if it's rated? What if it's accurately rated? Is that an option? There is no accurately rated, but uh, it's gotta be just one of your best, okay? But I do expect explanations. <laughs> all right, okay. all right, I'm ready. First one: overrated, underrated, scooping. Oh, uh, you go first. I, okay, okay. I have a I have a nuanced answer here. I think that scooping is overrated by beginners and underrated by vets. Interesting. Interesting. Dive into that a little bit. Well, because I I think when you're a new player and you first see someone scoop, it blows your mind and you're like, oh my God, if I could do that, I could get around anybody. And then you, you see new players become obsessed with it and it's really tricky and it doesn't, it doesn't make you a better player. It's a tool that you can use in a very few amount of situations, but being in the right position on the court is so much more important than being able to like scoop or do a wheelie or something. But if you're a vet and you already have good positioning and you're in these situations where you need a move or something to get around a player to create an opportunity, then having a scoop in your sort of arsenal to be able to pull out and get around a situation is incredibly underrated. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? This game isn't called overrated to some, underrated to some, so you got to make a final decision. Is it overrated <laughs> or underrated? I think I think ultimately it's overrated because most people don't use it properly. Fair. Okay, Liam, what's your take? <laughs> See, this is what I mean. The two cancel each other out, so it's accurately rated. No, you can't. That's against the rules. <laughs> no, they don't. I, I, I put my flag down. Scooping is... Uh, under it's did I say underrated or, or I forget which one I said, but I put my flag wherever <laughs> you I, said it was I said overrated. It, I stand for, by that. For, I stand for by new that. players. I think it's overrated. I guess I don't know. It looks cool. It is useful, mostly because whenever I try to scoop, I screw up. So I'm like, this is dumb. But 
See, I can see it's how overrated it's overrated because Liam's a new player. Yeah, Liam, you scoop, <laughs> you scoop more than almost anyone in our club. I do, but not successfully. <laughs> I mean, it's it's cool to scoop. I, I mean, I don't know. I've seen some pretty crazy scoops. I remember watching uh, at Fall Ball and um, who was it? Maybe Salem do some pretty cool scoop maneuvers to like bring the ball up and like actually the scoop pass. I think you know you, if if you're going into the corner, if you can like do a quick turnaround scoop pass and pull it off. Uh, I think that's pretty effective because you get the ball in front of the net fast and like. Um, yeah, I mean, I find I use that a lot, mostly because the ball's going into the corner. I think we could do a whole episode on scoops. So, <laughs> is it overrated or underrated? What's the final decision? Give me a scoop. Um, I'll say lightly overrated. Lightly overrated. Okay, lightly. fine. You're such a fence sitter. Next one. <laughs> You're trying to okay. polarize overrated, the debate, Gavin. Underrated. Ski pole mallets. Oh, underrated. Absolutely underrated absolutely underrated i mean the the ski pole mallet is like the the founding block of bike polo isn't it like you know that's what people were using to make their first mallets out of pbc tube or whatnot and i think they still hold up pretty well to this day i know i was on a trip with you gavin when you and picked up some ski poles from a guy in gatineau so that you could make some ski pole mallets and those are pretty solid mallets yeah, I mean, there's a lot of beginner players in Ottawa using those mallets, and uh, they work pretty well. I mean, I played some games with ski pole mallets, and honestly, didn't feel that different. I think the biggest difference is the head more so than the shaft. But um, what do you think? So you're going underrated, right, Liam? Totally. Alex, what about you? Totally. Well, not not to just play devil's advocate, but you guys are crazy. I think, <laughs> I, I think like ski pole mallets, like having a having a good mallet makes the biggest difference. It's like. If you're trying to get into hockey, there's nobody out there playing with like straight sticks. Like you, it's just awful. Like you can't. I don't know. I, I think you you're not really playing the game till you get like a good mallet. Um, obviously, I think there's a lot. We'll, we'll talk about it later when we talk about introducing people to bike polo. I think there's a time and a place for ski pole mallets, and it's like to give to someone when they're first starting. But if you're actually gonna play polo and you want to do more than just like your it's not literally your first time out getting a an actual polo mallet with an actual polo head i think is one of the most important things hmm. so let me get this right you're saying all of us people that are you know diy fiends that want to you know create all our own stuff we're all doing the wrong thing it no i don't think you're doing the wrong thing i think getting a, a good mallet is essential and I a lot of the ski pole mallets that I've seen have not been good. Like I think I think people get more frustrated when, with the equipment pretty quick because it's just not like the first time I, I remember when we got our first fixed craft mallets and we upgraded from ski pole mallets and it was like the first day I got my first fixed craft mallet. I went for a rip and that ball just took off and I was like, oh, I can shoot now, <laughs> and and I didn't change. Yeah, actually, I could I could I can see that. Interesting. Okay, so we, we're divided on this one. I'm gonna move it. I'm gonna move it along just for the sake of this exercise because it's supposed to be quick hits. Um, we're diving in. Okay, deep. this is the second to last one. I want your hot takes. Overrated, underrated. Oral hygiene. Oral hygiene is underrated. People don't talk about it enough, but uh, it's a it's a big deal. Uh, you know, I'm gonna say it's a tad overrated. I've never gotten a cavity 
And, you know, I brush my teeth every day, but I don't floss all the time. And the dentists always say, you got to floss, you're going to get a cavity. I haven't got a cavity. So, you know, I think it's a bit overrated, the whole thing. Wow. So if there's any dentists listening out there, um, you heard it here first. Liam does not floss. I've been reading it's, it's, it's also genetic. Like if you're predisposed for getting cavities. For sure. Like for if sure. your parents had a lot of cavities, you're, you're more susceptible. Not to say you shouldn't floss and all that stuff, but like, I don't know. I don't floss that much. Liam is that like one dentist that doesn't recommend <laughs> This isn't polar related. Let's get to the last one here, okay? Overrated, underrated, three up. Oh, uh, very underrated. So just for the listeners that might not know, this is when a team plays without a goalie. They bring all three people up. Maybe they have someone hanging around half, but they're playing three up. So they're sacrificing a little bit of defense, maybe sacrificing a few long shots, but their offense is probably a lot more flowy because they're on a three on two in the offensive end. So three Full up, court overrated, press. underrated. Liam? Underrated. Uh, I do it a lot. Sometimes we get scored on, but hey, it's worth it. <laughs> okay, all the time we get scored on. Okay, geez, Very but it's well. worth it. So I agree with Liam. I think it's uh, I think it's underrated, and but I think it's underrated for different reasons. Um, I think the three up forces you to be a better team, and it forces you to learn how to be a better player. Um, so even if you end up losing games, you're learning and you're playing better um there's definitely like times you don't want to be playing three up but if you look at a lot of tournaments teams are like it feels like teams are afraid to play three up and they get stalled out in like they're down and they're not playing three up and i think it's a really important thing for teams to have and it's way more fun like it's way more fun to play three up I was going to say, I recall a tournament where I, we did not do a lot of three up. Yeah, I was going to say, we're <laughs> all advocating three up as the guys that. As I was the one in that. net. Yeah, yeah, every tournament I've ever won, my team definitely did not play three up. <laughs> Just, well, because yeah. if you have someone that can score like anywhere on the court, then it's like, it doesn't matter if you're three up as soon as they get the ball. And if they can just somehow get well, a shot whole, off down court three, and score, it's, you're screwed. If you play it right, then you're never you're never giving them time with the ball to line up a shot, right? Like, even if they have it on their end, like, there should be someone on them. Yeah. If you're, but I mean, errors, right. errors happen, yeah. and then yeah. all it takes is that one error. But I mean, yeah, if it's if it's played perfectly, I think it can be really effective. I think three-up's a really strong strategy. Um, obviously, it leads to a lot of offensive chances, and I know when I play against a strong three-up team, um, I'm always trying to take shots from my own side of the court. Even if it is only a 20% hit rate, I do practice it. So I know that I'm going to be about 20 to 30% when I take those shots. But uh, I do practice it and I take the shots just because I want them to be afraid to play three up. I don't want them to feel comfortable bringing that third person down and being really aggressive because obviously that puts my defense at a bad in a bad spot. So I'm constantly looking for opportunities to shoot at that open net to stretch out their defense and force someone to play goal or at least hang back a little deeper than they might against most teams because I'm a shooting threat. But I, I do think that also is a good reason to play three up because it means if you're playing three up, the other team's happy taking like a 20%, 30% shot and just turning it over to you right away, right? Like if that's their whole offensive possession, it's uh, like there's a reason 
the reigning North American champions are one of the best three-up teams in, well, North America at least, but probably the world. Like Mosquito played three-up better than I think anyone else. Mm. Re- relative to their level. <laughs> relative to NAs, we'll say that. Yeah. Re- no, like re- relative to the individual skill level of each player, I think Mosquito as a whole, when they play three up, it is it is a well-oiled machine that just rises the is. whole team. It is. They are pretty amazing when they do it. Um, yeah, I think it's a great strategy. Um, it really depends on, I think, the matchup when I would use it um, and what kind of defense either team is playing and how I feel in my individual matchup against who's guarding me. Because if I can generate offense without having to make play three up, I'm probably not going to use it. Yeah, I, I think this is definitely a topic that uh, we could do a whole episode oh, on. Oh, for sure. I think we, we will. Um, but yeah, I, I am in total agreement. Anyways, I'm going to say that it is, oh gosh, overrated, underrated. I'm going to say it's overrated. A lot of teams use it when they shouldn't. Um, but you guys both said underrated, so I guess we're at odds on that one. What about 7-up? 7-up? <laughs> Delicious. So yeah, refreshing. Very good. So overrated. It's just like the cheap, it's the peasant's Sprite, and it's not even cheaper. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we'll move on to our next topic. Um, I think that segment went long enough, to be quite frank. Uh, so our secondary topic I'm introduced today is, you know, what is your ideal pickup? And what I mean by that is you go to the park to play your regular Wednesday, Thursday night. I don't know. The day of the week might be up for debate. But what would be the ideal scenario? What are the conditions that make for the best pickup game? So I just want to say, I think the best pickup is always the Friday before a tournament oh, when all the teams are getting oh, mixed true. up because you have people like, because one of the things that I think makes an ideal pickup is when everyone's having fun and you have a lot of new, you have like new people. There's a lot of people, like there's enough people, but you also have like a mix. It's not the same people you always play with. You've got people from out of town that are visiting and you've got like a mix up of styles. Like I think the best pickup I played last summer was Friday before Grand Rapids at Halloween. You know what, Alex, you're so right. Like I was thinking of my answer to this question and I completely forgot about pre and post tournament pickup. It's just so interesting and fun to play with people you don't usually play with in a non-tournament environment where people can do silly stuff, show you their tricks and just get really weird on the court because it's hilarious and it's a so much fun and creativity flows. It's the only time I will ever be teammates with Dodie and Morgan. <laughs> and it's just the best I've ever felt playing polo. Like I could do no wrong. Yeah, the energy is pretty, you can feel the energy Friday night pickup. You're like, oh yeah, everyone's here having having a great time. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that too. But obviously you can't recreate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I honestly, I didn't think about this until right now, but I was thinking like ideal conditions, like what temperature, uh, what weather, you know, cloudy, but not too cold, like a nice fall, fall day at the Evie Tremblay park, more than six people show up, but not more than 12. Uh, that's an ideal day for me. Well, let's get into it. Like, I want you guys to close your eyes. Just imagine the perfect pickup. And I want to hear, like, what's the vibe? What's the skill level of the players? Is it diverse? Is it um, consistent? What? How many number of players? What's the season of the year, the temperature of the year? It's 
I think we all agree that it's probably before a tournament. Um, just give me that play by play. Like what, what are those conditions for you? So like generally the best pickup I think we get in Toronto is in August. It's, normally it's in August around this time of year when everyone's been playing, you know, every, nobody's, everyone's got that, that winter rust off. Like we're all in the swing of things. There's like tournaments coming up or we've played tournaments. So people, you know, people are, they're not rusty and they are, uh, they're playing at their perform like as good as we get. And you have one of those Sunday afternoons where it's not too hot and you get a little bit of a breeze, but it's not too breezy. And you have, I think for us, it's like nine. I think nine people is awesome. It's enough that the teams get shuffled, but you don't have, like the teams are always getting shuffled, but, and nobody's sitting out alone. Like you get three or four people on the side. Uh, the ideal pickup is just like people that come. Like I don't want anyone to feel excluded because we're saying the ideal pickup involves uh, mostly vets because like if you're a rookie, they want you there, <laughs> you know? Um, but I, for me, the ideal pickup is when we have a bunch of people that have been playing for a year or so, and maybe they're playing at the edge of their ability. And you've got some of the other vets that are, they're going hard, but they're not going like tournament hard. And it's just a really fun environment. So Liam, um, if you just close your eyes and you're imagining just your perfect uh, pickup, like I want to know, what time of year is it? What's the season? What are the number of players? What's the situation? What are the skill levels? What comes to your mind? I, I need a description. Hmm. Well, I'm going to go with late fall down at the court at Alexander Park. Lights are on. It's nice and cool. Lots of people. Uh, I guess it's a Thursday night since the lights are on. <laughs> How many people is lots of people? Uh, between nine and 12. Why do you pick that number? Uh, <laughs> because then you don't have, then you can have people that uh, want to keep playing, but also mix up the new players in, you know? Yeah. So you get a good mix of like people. I think that's the perfect number too. I think nine is my ideal number just because you have like breaks every once in a while, but you're still playing more than you're sitting. Yeah, and you can swap. You can swap off a team. Um, I don't think we've ever had more than twelve people like an Ottawa Polo pickup. Oh, we've had we've had some big numbers before. Yeah, but I can't think of a time when there was like more than one pile of mallets on the pickup. Maybe I was uh, NSPI pull uh, pickup or something. It's funny you mentioned post tournament pickup because I'm like, to me, that's just the funniest thing when it's like. Everyone's been playing polo for like, you know, 48 to 72 hours. And right after the final game, you know, it's like late. It's maybe eight or nine o'clock on Sunday. And there's always some people that are just thrown in mallets. <laughs> hey, that's the like, best part about it. People love it. I know. I've, it just makes my heart. Uh, well, at first I'm like, I'm getting the hell out of here. But then I'm like, Oh, there's still people that want to play. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on where you are. I mean, if you're at an away tournament, I can definitely see like wanting to drive back, but <laughs> yeah. Is it bad manner to like win a polo tournament and then immediately throw your mallet in for pickup? <laughs> no, dude, you were there till the end. <laughs> no, you actually have the court as the winner, right? Loser's got to vacate. You, yeah. you get to keep on. <laughs> winner, winner uh, stays on. <laughs> I think if I was to answer this question, I'm actually going to take a different direction than you guys did. Um, I would go spring. 
like that first after the mm. thaw you've like scraped the court down and you kind of smell that melting of brownie that dirt smell that's in the air and all the people that you haven't seen for months come out and just slay on the polo court and it's so funny because everyone's a little rusty but the rust shakes off pretty quick and uh you just get to see your friends again and have fun doing what you love and what you've missed for months and months and months uh you gotta buy yourself a sandwich from the local sandwich shop shout out to dirienzo's best sandwiches in the province and uh yeah i mean that's just the ideal pickup for me i think nine players like liam pointed out is the ideal number a team swabs off but you're constantly mixing in new people every once in a while and uh just early spring it's not too hot and you're just so excited to be on the court shredding first polo after a long winter with a dirienzo sandwich in your hand you can't go wrong with that that is the big thing the toronto pickup is missing is a great sandwich shop across the street from the court that would make toronto but you got the mall you have a whole mall food court there's a cinnabon there yeah, but there's no Darienzo sandwiches. It's true. Darienzo's no. outclasses that entire mall. But you do have an LCBO. Well, and there's Jerk Jerk King. And a beer store. What's that place called? The Jerk, jerk Chicken jerk Place. King. Yeah, Jerk Jerk King's. Yeah, Jerk, jerk King's King. like yeah. two blocks away. You're not that hard done to. Jerk King is awesome. Montreal has that uh like corner store that sells beer right next to their court. Oh yeah. It's awesome. Well, it's just like a gas station. I know, but I think I think most clubs have a beer store or like a place that you can buy booze in close proximity to their court. That might be the only thing Grand Rapids is missing. No, they have a close no, they spot. Have one very close. Yeah. yeah, it's like a two-minute bike ride. Shout out Grand Rapids. That's not like across no, it's the not. Street, you know, Ottawa's is pretty far too, to be honest. Yeah, that, that's cool. That's true. And you know what, guys? I think that's going to bring us to our our big topic of the day okay and this is one that i think people are pretty divided on i know my club has a lot of different attitudes towards how we do this and people have definitely have different styles what do you guys think is the best way to introduce new people to bike polo so i have a scenario to start us off here okay um let's say you have a co-worker who likes biking they're into mountain biking and they talk about bikes with you and you just think this person would be pretty fun at bike polo how do you go about inviting them to play? And also, how do you go about explaining what bike polo is to them? Liam, you want to take it away? Uh, well, I mean, I think the best tool is uh, the internet. You know, you tell them to watch uh, videos and stuff on the internet. Like you're saying, um, was it Alan Dykstra who was showing you videos uh, yeah. on Mr. Doe and stuff? And just show them videos of uh, bike polo. Maybe not like the super competitive stuff, but just show them what it's about. Honestly, I think just coming coming to watch is probably a good first step. Um, maybe, but if they're really into biking, they're probably going to want to like at least try getting on the bike and hitting the ball around and stuff. And um, yeah, the one thing that I think was best for me starting out was having a group of friends that were also in the same boat, like a bunch of green people that were, um, you know, totally new to the sport, and we were all going to suffer together. <laughs> to uh figure this out <laughs> so that kind of made it better having some solidarity with other people mm-hmm. not to mm-hmm. say that one person can't thrive on their own and uh um excel but uh i think um probably the most important part about getting new people involved is the stuff as well as giving pointers and stuff on the court how to play what the rules are um but also cultivating that sideline um 
you know, culture and making people want to come just like hang out and not necessarily play, like just having a place to come and hang out and be amongst friends and, and stuff. Cause so you really yeah. hammer the, the like, culture of the thing, the culture of the sport to them. I really like how you say, Oh yeah, just come out and watch. Yeah. And then once <laughs> they get there, that's when you start pressuring them to get on. The well, they're court. inevitably going to get hooked if they're really, well, I mean, depending on what kind of bike cycling they're into, I think, uh, it lends itself to all different kinds of cyclists, people that are mountain bikers, people that are road cyclists, bike packers, you know, um, even just like casual people that are, you know, commute to work on their bike. I think there's something for everybody. Mm-hmm, and for sure. um, yeah. Okay. Well, Alex, yeah. I think it's really important to recognize that bike polo, it, it appeals to so many, so many different aspects of bike polo appeal to so many different people. So I think it's really important to understand what, like, if I'm going to recommend someone to bike polo, it's because I think that at least one part of the polo community is going to stand out to them more. Like maybe they're super DIY or maybe they just love, like maybe there's someone I know loves riding bikes and drinking beer and hanging out in parks. And I'm like, Hey man, (laughs) do I have the activity for you? That'd be an ideal fit. (laughs) But then there's other people I know that, I, they're just very talented competitive, like they're very talented cyclists that can be kind of competitive. And, I'm, you know, there's an aspect of that for bike polo too. And I think it's important to understand, to kind of have an idea of what you think that person's going to, like what they're going to like the most at polo. Like if I went to polo, I would never have gone to just sit and watch. I would have, on, the only way I got hooked on polo was because I came out and immediately had a mallet in my hand. Uh, and was on the court. I agree with you. I think if it was for me, I mean, if I had just gone out to watch, I'd be like, this is pretty weird. Um, I remember the mindset I had towards bike pool when I first started like figuring out what it was. But uh, I think just jumping into it and understanding the flow and the feel of the game just really sold me on it. I mean, when I'm introducing it to people, what I always find helpful to do is, yeah, make it real by showing a video. I'm wondering, do you guys have any videos that you show people? Because there's so many, like, I don't know, like ones that I've seen our players on the court do, our club members, is like bike pole is biggest crashes. And I'm just thinking to myself, that's not what we should <laughs> yeah. be showing, like people that might want to I'm play. guilty of showing that Mr. Do. The Mr. Do, like, crash reel of bike polo, just all the people get going over the boards and, like. Or maybe uh, yeah. clobber politics versus the means. Classic oh, yeah. Classic game. violent. <laughs> polo game from the early days but yeah these are like the videos that a lot of us as like polo junkies like we love watching these because we think whoa that's gruesome oh my gosh but that's definitely not the best way to introduce someone to polo so i'm wondering do you guys have videos that you specifically show people because i got a couple so i have to say like just full disclaimer i've thought a lot about how to bring players into bike polo and every single time I try to do it, I just do the worst job, like just the worst job. I I have I, I give I tell friends I'm like, oh, you know what? Just I'll meet you at the court. Like, come check it out. Like, I, I get them to meet me. I'm like, have a beer in the park. Like, I'm playing polo. We'll hang out. And then they come out, and it's like there's only six people at pickup. So I end up just like ignoring them the whole time because there's only six people, and I can't like sit like I don't want to like sit out and stop the game. And like they end up just sitting on the sideline for 40 minutes, and they're like, cool this sucks. (laughs) Um, and that, that's my fault. Like that is, that's me doing a terrible job of recruiting people to my club. (laughs) Yeah. You need the critical mass. You need like, um, 
a big group of people to kind of, uh, yeah. you know, the saying, it takes a village. It's not, it's true. The, the other thing I will say too is, and this is maybe something we can get into later is like, what kind of resources do you have to bring people in? Like I know Ottawa, when we started playing Gavin, uh, they had, they had like cheap ballots that it was like, I showed up on the court and within five minutes I was on my bike with a mallet in my hand. That was mine. They were like, this is yours. You keep it. We want you to like take this home with you and practice and come back. And like, now you have to come back to play because we gave you a mallet. Um, Toronto kind of goes the other way where we have, uh, we have a house near our court that has loner bikes and loner mallets at it, but we need to get them back after the games. And I actually think that's been one of the problems that we've had is that we're not sending potential new players home with something to like remember bike polo by and our loner bike was terrifying. Like I probably wouldn't come back to ride that thing because it was that was the scariest part of bike polo was trying to ride that loner bike. I mean, the Ottawa's biggest explosion. This is a funny story of new bike polo players, like all the rookies from like the four Slayers team that we've gotten. It all started because one of them found a bike polo mallet in a dumpster somewhere in the city. So this guy, he's his name's Ashwin. He's walking and he's looking at a dumpster. Don't ask me why. But uh, he finds a bike pole mountain dumpster. Was what the heck is this? Searches it up, finds out bike pole, finds out Ottawa has a club, comes out and tries it, and then recruits like five or six other people. I mean, is the best strategy just hiding bike pole mallets in places around the city for people to find? <laughs> <laughs> this is what's worked the best for especially. us. Yeah, that's gotten more <laughs> outreach than any like poster or anything online we've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone chucked a, dump, a bike pole out in a dumpster because they didn't want to play anymore. And that's what started the explosion of new rookies. The other thing I've seen too uh, is if I, I go around the city and I play solo polo in different places sometimes and just being like not putting a head, not listening to music or a podcast and actually talking to everyone I see checking it out, like being super approachable. Um I've got people to come out that way. Yeah. So when you're doing that, or even when you're doing pickup, like in a park with a group of people, when someone comes by and strikes up a conversation or is staring through the chain link fence at the court, how do you guys like, what's the best approach to that? I, I mean, Toronto, we, we always say, Hey, or, you know, this is bike polo. Do you have any questions? Um, th we do, we do rookie night at this time in the week. And I think, I think that's something that we're, we're in the process of changing in Toronto because when I moved here, we were such a large club that we had to schedule our playing. Like we had a rookie night, we had a big intermediate night, and we had they, we had what were called fuck off Fridays. Where when I moved to the city, I was told like don't come on Friday night. Like you're not good enough. Like you will know when you're allowed to play on Friday. Um, and it was because we had so many people. Like they would be, I think eighteen players on a Friday and they just didn't want rookies showing up and, and, you know, they wanted to have their different, their different pace of play. And now we have the opposite problem where we're just trying to get six people on anything. Mm. There's definitely a fine balancing act for, you know, when you're making your club schedule at whatever meeting you guys have, um, like how separated do you want a fast night, a slow night? So just everyone plays every day. There's a lot of different strategies. I mean, as long as people are coming out and having fun, it's not a big deal. But yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Well, I think when you're talking about the people that are just watching on the sidelines, like, yeah, 
depending on what kind of game it is. If it's like a really fast, intense game, people like, um, well, I, I don't know. I think bike pole is unique enough that people stop and look and are curious. And yeah, as long as you're just friendly and courteous, to those people, um, and I don't know, some people, I know like Justin in our club is just like, hey, it's bike pole. You want to try? You can borrow my mallet. You can borrow my bike. You can try it right now. And I mean, that's cool with us. And uh, sometimes people aren't willing to do it right there and then, but they'll say, oh, no, I'll come back some other time or or they will try it right there. And then and the trick is retaining people that like after that first impression is to to get them to return and come back for sure. And I, I think we can do a whole episode on rookie recruitment and retainment and different strategies, the different clubs use and going over what we think is best. I know I have some opinions on that. I just find that first conversation. Like I know personally right now I have a friend, I ride mountain bikes with her all the time. Um, she's a super strong mountain biker. She can wheelie for as long as she wants manual, all kinds of stuff. And I've been just working on it for months, trying to get her into bike polo. And I feel like, I've given up at this point because I don't want to, she's my friend. I don't want to be a pest, but I just wish there was a better way to approach someone and, you know, say, oh, this is bike one, and get them interested, you know, like, I don't know, showing them a video or I don't know. It's just such a challenging the thing. The line I always use when I talk to other people that are capable cyclists that are kind of competitive, like, you know, the, the people that race or like from the racing scene is I'm like, I, I'm like, you know, you know how good it feels to like win a race or like pass someone on a corner, but you don't know how good it feels to pass someone and score on a bike. That's true. That's <laughs> very true. Score. Like you can't score. You, you can, you can be as fast as you want in a, in a race bike. You're not scoring any goals. That's a good one for a competitive person. I think that's a great line. And it really is about gauging them when, you know, I see a passerby on the court, like I'll even stop mid game if my team's winning by a bit. And just go up to the chain link and say, hey, how's it going? You know, this is bike polo. Uh, if you want to try it, you can probably get in the next game. Just go talk to those guys. They'll explain all the rules. And we also have a banner that explains, like, how to contact us on social media. And we put it up every time we play. And I don't think it's happened yet. But I hope that some of the passers by, like, take a picture of it and actually search us up. So something I will say about social media, like, I've been running the Bike Polo Toronto Instagram page for a while. And I think it's actually a bit of a trap because I find when I'm talking to a potential new player, as soon as I'm like, as soon as I go to the social media thing, Hey, you can find us here. You can, you know, check us out, ask us about stuff. As soon as I direct them to a social media page, I think, I think we're so saturated with like, and subscribe and smash the bell icon. And like, we're, there's so many, there's like a signal overload of people telling you, to follow them on social that as soon as I tell someone that in person, I can like see them tune out. Yeah. I mean, if they're in person and why would you direct them to go away to come back, like get them while they're there. Part of it is like, if I'm, if I'm playing solo polo uh, and there's like a roller derby players like, Oh, that looks so cool. What are you guys doing? And we sort of have this conversation. I want to leave them with uh, a way to, to get in touch with us. To be able, especially now because like our club doesn't have a court and we don't have a set time and, you know, I can say, yeah, we're on Facebook, but if they don't have Facebook, like I want to leave them with something, but I can see as soon as I bring up, like follow us on Instagram or do this thing, like they're just gone. Um, and it, it, a big part of that is probably on, on me pushing too hard or not reading the situation well. I'm um, just a, a terrible ambassador, you know? 
Um, it does sell yourself short. <laughs> but it, it is it is something I think you have to be careful. Like I think it's good to have a banner where people can sort of get that information if they're interested in it. But I think you do have to be careful about pushing people to it too much, especially in person. It's the active and passive approaches. It's a good mix of both. Yeah, for sure. I think it has a place. Like we definitely get some traffic on our social media where people just find us and they're like, what is this? Um, do you guys play in Ottawa? And I definitely answer, you know, a handful of those messages every season. And some of them turn into polo players and some of them turn into messages that I sent. But yeah. uh, we've gotten a couple people that way. Or when someone comes to town, like a player from another city, the social media mm-hmm. is really important in getting them to the court because they always look us up there. Yeah, I'm super bad for that. We've had we've had people, and I'm just going to apologize in advance. If you've come to Toronto and messaged our Instagram <laughs> that you're in town for a weekend and you oh want to pick up, and I respond to you like a month later, like, yeah, man, come out. And you're like, yeah, dude, I was there like three <laughs> weeks ago. That's, uh, that's my fault. Holy cow. You know, I think um, anything else you guys have on this? There is, there is one thing I'll say. Um, when you're getting new players to come out, not everyone is going to be a good fit. Sometimes there are people that you're going to have to say, you know, you're welcome to come play, but like if you're going to bring that attitude, then, you know, you're not welcome to play. Um, that's a really tough conversation. I hope it doesn't have to happen, but it is, it's important to know where your sort of, where your line is as a club uh, about what kind of behavior is acceptable at, at, polo and not be afraid to instruct new players on that a conflict arises no matter what kind of group you're in or team in every sports league or office situation and it's important to have um especially as your club grows enough in like internal organization that there's ways of dealing with these kind of behaviors and things that might be negative or affecting the safety of players on the court um, whether that's strong leadership in the club or more of a group speak, but it, it's challenging because most bipolar clubs are not um, very well organized and don't have leadership. Well, and so, it's all volunteer, like, you know, it's uh, people yeah. doing it, you know, out of their own, uh, you know, labor of love or whatnot. And uh, yeah, I agree. It's hard to know what to do in those situations, but yeah. And, and it comes down to like, I think that's just where, especially when there's so many different people, um, you know, the club is a family, right? There's no one, there's no one person that, that represents the club or, or does everything. It's just important. Like if you, especially if you're one of the more veteran people at a rookie night and you see behavior, that's not, not something that you would want at pickup or not something that your club is okay with. And like, it really does kind of fall on you to, to step up. Even if like, I, I'm so conflict averse, I hate, I hate doing that, um, but I think it does. It is important to to step up in those moments before it becomes a bigger problem. Okay, well, you know what? That seems to come to the end of that discussion. Just a reminder to all the listeners out there, if you have any comments or topics or questions that you want to hear us talk about on the show, we'd love your input. Please email us at northsidepolopodcast at gmail.com. That's northsidepolopodcast at gmail.com. We thank all of you guys for listening and spending your time hearing us talk about the game we love so much. Until next time, goodbye from me. Bye. Bye, y'all. All right, and uh, keep your uh, rubber side on the court <laughs> and your mallets hopefully below the head. The shoulder. <laughs> What's the rule on that?
<laughs> we were so off. There we go.